Well, welcome everybody. It's Draft Politics, episode 20. This is EJ, and back after a 4,000 news cycle honeymoon is Steve. <laughs> hey, everybody. Uh, yeah, this is going to be a little bit different this week because I have spent the last two weeks consciously avoiding politics since I was on my honeymoon. I figured that would be a good idea. So I have no idea what we're going to be talking about this week. I mean, I've I caught little bits of news here and there. But overall, I was mostly drinking beer and, and relaxing and seeing the sights in Europe. So, Which is fantastic. And I, I am really looking forward to helping you ease your way back. Yes. Back into paying attention to politics with an endless stream of entropy, craziness, <laughs> uh, misdirection, I, I, I'm just plain like, old lies. I maybe keep some, having this sort of background thread of like, what did Trump screw up while I was gone? And, and I'm sure you're about to tell me. <laughs> oh, I mean, screw up. That's all a matter of perspective. Yes. And it's funny, as I was thinking about how to organize things for your kind of rundown, uh, I actually, my first bullet was general Trump stuff. Yes. <laughs> Just <laughs> Trump gonna Trump. Right. Uh, so I, I do kind of want to start with some of those things, um, because I'd like to start and end the national segment with sort of the state of ridiculousness in our world right now. So um, as you probably knew, there is a major hurricane that blew yes. through the Caribbean. Yes, that, right? was, that was happening just as I was leaving. Right, so, okay. good choice. Yeah. Uh, Category 5 stalled out over the Bahamas. Really some terrible things down there. They've said, you know, a couple hundred people are dead, confirmed dead, but... Yes. That number is going to skyrocket. Right. Um, Has Trump helicoptered in some paper towels yet? No, not yet. Not yet. No, well, he's done a couple things. Um, The the sort of very on-brand thing was he said, well, we don't want anybody coming from the Bahamas because they're full of drug dealers and very, very (laughs) bad gang members. Of course. And I heard somebody (laughs) just quip about that. That must have been the worst plan to get a kilo of Coke into the United States ever. <laughs> Go to the Bahamas and hang out, wait for a hurricane right. to devastate it, and then get across in a no, refugee no, my plan's going to work. Yeah. Just, get, just give it time. Um, but very on brand, right? Yes. They're, uh, you know, don't want to help non-white people. So, but the other part of this, and the, the ridiculousness part, was him tweeting... You know, look out, Alabama. It's going to hit you hard. Much worse than anybody expected. And within, (laughs) you know, a few hours of that tweet, you know, the National Weather Service in Alabama said, actually, no, we're fine. You don't need to protect yourselves. Don't worry about it. And so, of course, the president said, oh, you're right. My bad. My bad. Sorry. I just misunderstood something. Totally fine. Okay. Or... He went on a, not only a Twitter <laughs> Twitter like, rant. I was like, that's different. <laughs> yeah. A Twitter rant about it. But then, during interviews, held up a map. And it's kind of those typical maps, you know, the weather maps you see. And it's oversized. And I assume, uh, actually, from this, that whenever anybody's giving Donald Trump a briefing, they use oversized materials yes. and big shapes, perhaps. Right. Bright many colors. Words. Yeah, yeah, bright colors. So they've got, he's got this map, and you see that sort of cone of uncertainty, which is a thank you, Jim Cantori, for bringing that 
phraseology into our world. The cone of uncertainty, and it goes into Florida. Right. And there's a date on the map, and it's you know actually a day or a day and a half before his tweet. And it certainly stops in Florida, like makes it to the pa- the zone of uncertainty. Like it could hit anywhere in here. Right. But then there's a line that's been drawn onto the cone of uncertainty <laughs> just at the top in Sharpie. Yes. Okay. This explains. Okay. Because what I was like, I had no idea what was going on, but I saw something about Sharpies and like m- some meme stuff sort of floating around. I'm like, okay, I don't know what happened, but that, that is, uh, yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> To prove himself right, he took a Sharpie. And the reporting has all been, yeah, he did that himself. And drew a little line on there. Because, you know, the National Weather Service is going to have a cone of uncertainty that has a tiny little bump that goes into a tiny little sliver of Alabama. Sure. Yes. And then when asked about it, he's like, I don't know how that line got on there. Also, sure. What I, what I love about this is... You know, he did it himself. I'm going to give him some credit here because, like, normally it's the sort of thing he, you know, fields out to somebody. Is like, have some somebody he can yell out, you know, yell at and fire later. Sure. You know. Yeah. So, I, I'll, you know, I we'll feel like. We'll get to the farming and firing portion yes, of yes, this yes. story right, in a well. moment. <laughs> because, you know, it's coming. Right. Because, <laughs> like, two days later, there was an unsigned, like, memo posted by Noah that said. You know, at a certain point, there were some projections that predicted some adverse weather for Alabama. You know, essentially like saying oh, the president was right. If we twisted as much as we possibly can. Yes. Right. And then we found out that Wilbur Ross, who, as the Commerce Secretary, owns all this, was calling called from Greece where he was at for some conference to say... Put out this letter or we're going to start firing people. <laughs> and that was a directive that came down from, right. from the White House. So the only other twist twist to this is that it's actually a crime to falsely report the weather. Interesting. I had no idea. Neither did we until the <laughs> president so, well. decided... He's like, you know what? I was uh, looking at the statutes. You know, I haven't, I haven't broken any of these laws over here. It's a nice thing about the, being the president. I learn all these new laws that I can break. Let's throw this one out there. Uh, just unbelievable. And that consumed the news cycle for days. Oh, I'm sure. For days. I mean, still is. you've got I mean, the wonderful Sharpie meme thing going. I mean, how is that not going to last a while? Oh, um, I know. And if you've seen some of the pictures, I, yeah. I suggest going back and looking at the hashtag SharpieGate. <laughs> also everything's a great now um huh okay so i i'm assuming from this then since he apparently broke a federal law is a federal law obviously um that he's uh, being impeached as we speak right I, uh, absolutely okay, absolutely great. i'm glad we, <laughs> glad we got that under control <laughs> i i've got to tell you that when i was again doing the rundown i started to put in stuff about impeachment proceedings but i broke my keyboard if you notice this is a new laptop oh yes from yes. the last time so very good that was just from typing on that so uh other things in the trump verse uh we got some interesting reporting saying that uh, the u.s air force in flying to the middle east 
has been since I think 2014 or 2015 stopping in Scotland to refuel. Okay. So we had a couple things out there um, in in the UK, uh, just generally interesting people staying were. Why would they stay there? Uh, one was our vice president had meetings, but he stayed 150 miles away in a Trump property because, of <laughs> course, he did. Uh-huh. And then we found out that the airmen who have been flying to the Middle East are parking their plane to refuel it and then immediately taking a, you know, a two-hour drive to Turnbury, another Trump property, to stay the night and then driving back. In the meantime, driving past, you know, a hundred other hotels, hundred right, cheaper hotels. Right, 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 right. And you just kind of go like, really? Yeah. And, you know. I'm, I'm wh- sure, you know what, I, I, the breakfast at, at the Trump property is probably pretty good. So, you know, I, I, uh, I can't really fault it. Knowing places in England, uh, full yeah. breakfast is usually not included. So. Oh, well. Uh, and it sounds like an emoluments clause violation at that point. So, yeah, nobody can spell that. Okay. So, all right. It's you know again one of those things where you go. Some people are probably going to blow it out of proportion, but come on, right? Like, well, I think that's the thing is like we we let all this low level corruption that's that's criminal just happen because and and so it just builds and builds and builds. So then when we start having big things. It's like, oh, well, you know. It's, it's not all that much worse than those other things. Right, right. Yeah, and speaking of emoluments, actually the lawsuit that was had been filed in New York, uh, which was originally thrown out, uh, has now been reinstated. It has been unthrown out. It's okay. been unthrown out. It's been thrown in. Thrown in, um, yes. So that's back on the table. Now, you know, there's still some skepticism about real injury and who are the parties that can, can claim this. Yeah. Um, because right now it's a mix of like a... A watchdog, watchdog group and other hospitality industry folks, right? So, yeah. Um, well, and that's always been the challenge with this is is yeah. finding standing for it. I mean, right. and, and, you know, obviously you could have Congress try to enforce it by, you know, back to the I word I was using earlier. Um, investigation? Uh, I think it was stronger than that. Yeah. But, man, I can't Interrogation? I, actually, yeah, that'd be good. <laughs> Introspection, uh, but yeah, no, I mean, but it's like you know, uh, taking it through the courts is not the ideal way to do it, and that's why. I mean, but I think all of us have standing if you really think about it, because you know what the president's doing and the choices they're making are costing our us tax money, if nothing else, right? And you know, potentially putting us at risk in terms of geopolitics and all that sort of stuff. So it, it, the standing should be there, but there's a lot of room for courts to interpret it and decide what they want to do. There is, and, and I actually, the standing point is a good one, and I thought about this as I was reading some of the reporting going into this. So if you are the commander-in-chief and you direct people in the military to stay at your properties, that's a little different from sort of this tacit expectation that people are going to you know, pay you off as, you know, foreign dignitaries. Yeah, there's less quid or, pro quo going on there. Right, but that's sort of directly... It's just wasting tax money. Exactly. And so, you know, while I may not have had a standing in a case about emoluments from foreign powers giving Donald Trump money through his properties, yeah, I feel like that is my money going to Turnbury. Right, right. Oh, for sure. So I, it's an interesting one. 
not surprisingly, you know, there are some people calling for an investigation. Evidently, the Air Force a, uh, IG is doing some work. Um, we've already heard, you know, at least 40 times. I don't know, is that a big number, a small number? Does it matter what the number is? Um, but well, and inevitably, what's going to happen is there's like, okay, this they're going to there's a controversy around this. It's going to blow over, and then they're just going to keep doing the same thing because there's because why wouldn't they? Why wouldn't what's they? What's the cost of doing it? Well, one cost may be approval rating. So if you oh, please uh, tell me his approval ratings down. It is. Uh, Yay! In some polls, it's below 40%. Ooh. Yeah, hey, spicy. Spicy. Getting, now, the getting 538 there. sort of polls of polls of polls of polls. Uh, weighted average has it just above 40, maybe 41%. Still a little lower than because it's been hovering around 42 for a yeah, while. So yeah, we're so, but, but we've got several quality polls that are under 40% yeah. approval, rate, pr- approval rating. Now, again, that changes slightly when it's... You know, voters extremely likely to vote, but it still doesn't get above 41. Yeah. So, um, and ultimately what matters is his approval in certain key states. And, right. And in all those that, seven so. counties that are yes. going to decide this. Wisconsin. Yeah. And my God, I feel bad for the people in those counties already. Oh, God. <laughs> um, and we'll talk a little bit about the advertising that we already know is going to happen when we talk about the debates because yeah. there was some advertising that went on then. But, you know, between some numbers around the economy, uh, which I think next week is going to be really interesting, there will, there will be some things that happen this week. Um, and also, you know, sort of in the Trump world, signs in the economy not looking great in some respects. Jobs numbers revised down. You know, a lot of people... Uh, a poll said 60% of Americans expect there to be a recession in the next two years. Yeah. Donald Trump, of course, went on the attack um, about his Fed chair, you know, saying, but you need to lower interest rates. Yeah, the one he put there. Yeah. Yeah, right. Right. Um, well, you know, and that was one of the few things that I had some sense of when I was traveling was, you know, economic. Because, I mean, it's just like reported all over the place, like what's going on in the markets and, yeah. you know. <laughs> So, uh, you know, so I saw some of that going on and, you know, what was going on with the, the trade war and like seemingly that is better now. But who knows? Uh, it, like all the reporting sounded good. And I'm like, OK, cool. We'll see how long that lasts. <laughs> right. And I, I had planned on covering trade war and international, though we can cover it now if you want. No, no, we'll wait. We'll wait. Okay. I don't want to we'll get ahead of us. Back. That's hold right. Some back. So it's that a tease. was that's just, what that just is. A tease. Yes. Hey, stay tuned for Trade War. Now this sponsor. Yeah. Now. <laughs> Sponsored by America's Soybean Growers. Oh, yeah. Soy, please buy some. Because China isn't. Correct. Maybe a little. Uh, so those were kind of the big, you know, sort of the, the top line things that were sort of particularly Trumpy. Yes. Although then we had, I thought, a, a very... You know, a couple things related to immigration, because you can't go a couple weeks without immigration. Of course. Um, Maybe three things. Uh, The first one, a very small one. And, you know, see your reaction to this, because I think it it also I think you may have a different perspective on it. Uh, The administration came out and said they were going to change the policy about giving citizenship to children born to U.S. military personnel. Yeah, overseas. this actually came out just before I left. So yeah, so I mean, I like, am I? 
and I know a lot of the reporting around it was initially, it was a little confusing about like what exactly they were right. restricting. And so like it made it sound like John McCain wouldn't have been considered a legal citizen under this because he was born on the base. But then there was some like weird yeah, I, and I thought it was overblown a little bit. Yeah, because the messaging was not surprisingly very bad. Right, right, right. Um, and it probably is a very narrow thing. Yeah, but it felt like a trial balloon to me. Uh huh. Oh yeah, yeah. Where can we restrict birthright citizenship? First, it'll be the small group of military families. Yeah. And to me, if it's a very small group of military folks, why do it at all? Well, exactly. And that is that is the. The thing that struck me when I first saw it, I was like, all military? Are you kidding me? And, of course, my child was born. I'm not in the military. They wouldn't let me in. Probably for good reason. (laughs) Um, But I was overseas. My wife and I, who are both born in the United States, were overseas. We had a child there. That child is an American citizen. But I'm like, would would my child not have been an American citizen? Right. I don't know. Oh, for it? sure. And so the messaging was so bad, it got blown up. And then they said, whoa, 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 whoa hold on. It's just this small group of people in this certain circumstances. And it's like, but yeah, it's very much why do you care? Like, right. what, like, I mean, that's, that's the thing that we've gotten so far away from is, like, what is the point of an immigration policy? Like, you, yes, you want to have some control over who is coming to the country and who is not. And, you know, and we can talk about what actually makes sense as far as that goes. But, like, they're just trying to, like, restrict and restrict and restrict as many people as they can for no reason whatsoever. It's like, well, I mean, well, racism is the reason whatsoever. But um, it's also good politics for their base. Well, and that's in the. Yes. I don't know if it's better or worse. Say, Actually, they're not racist. It's just the easiest thing to play on. I yeah. Well, I think it's both. So you know. I think it is too. But <laughs> I don't know. And we'll get to Boris Johnson later, right? So, so but it did feel like trial balloon to me. Like, yeah. well, what else could we restrict? Um, and along that same vein of Donald Trump loves the military and loves immigration so much, he's reallocated funds from military spending to try to build wall because no wall has been built zero new wall has been built in his administration and he knows this okay um but they're taking it from programs like refurbishing schools on army bases (laughs) right because family values and support our troops right so they're literally taking the money from supporting our military in ways that are going to matter to them to try to rush to build a wall and as part of this and this is kind of the maybe i should have brought this one up earlier you know donald trump is essentially panicking because he doesn't he knows he hasn't done that work yeah it's a very easy thing to say to say to his supporters he said he was going to get a wall built and he said mexico was going to pay for it and he didn't get a wall built and and we're and he's trying to have us pay for it right very very hard even though he's failing to do so. And he's got to try to do it very quickly. Yes. And so at one point, he got everybody together, and he's like, well, okay, do whatever you can. Get it done. And then there was this reporting that said, said, well, and if you break the law, it's okay because I'll pardon you. Ah, yes. How is that okay? Yeah. I mean, how is that okay? <laughs> and, of course, you know, the reporting came out, and then the White House said, no, he didn't say that. He meant said a joke that was surprisingly like that, but not that. Okay. 
So that was that's yeah, and, and well, and you can't. I mean, it's it's in, it's incenting somebody to commit a crime. I mean, let's let's be clear. Right. I mean, like you can't <laughs> you can't do that, except you can do that because we don't impeach him. All right, anyhow, <laughs> that's the thing. It's so frustrating. It's like you know, a lot of this as I'm gone for two weeks, I'm like, there's gonna be a whole bunch of crazy stuff going on. But I'm like, in the end, it's all the, kind of the same cycle of like he does something crazy. Stuff. Oh yeah. Um, you know, something possibly criminal. He suffers no consequences for it until we get to an election. So Right. Yeah. Right. Until we see him with his Sharpie on individual ballots. Right. So uh also kind of related to that, uh man, all this related. So uh the Flores Agreement. Yes. So the Flores Agreement uh number of years ago essentially was an agreement between the government and civil rights groups about how long children could be detained. Yes. The U.S. government has unilaterally said we're no longer going to honor that. We're going to put new rules in place. Yeah, and, and I think it's important to understand that like, it's, it's a, it is a court order, effectively. Right. Like, this is all a legal agreement. It's not like, well, you know, we're just going to agree to do that, and there's no enforcement of it. Like, the, the court has said this is the way the rules work. And now the government is saying, or the federal, you know, the executive branch is saying, well, whatever. Rules, schmules. Yes. Right. And so what's interesting, and I think that the the sort of thread that goes through all these is, you know, we have an executive branch who doesn't really seem to care about the law. Right. And if you look at this in comparison to how Donald Trump did business, which oh, was, it's all the same. I'm going to do yeah. what I want. Go ahead and sue me. I'll figure it out in the courts. Um, yeah. And his way of dealing with it when he was in, you know, working in private business, which I feel like he's still doing through our government. But anyhow, um, is that he would basically just push it as far as he could and then settle. You know, it's like right. so. So he'll he'll continue to play these things out. And then, you know, eventually a court rules against him. And, you know, if it goes high enough up that it's like he can't do it, he's like, all right, well, I'll move on to the next thing and just keep trying to break as many laws as he can well and maybe you know the whole idea is i think he feels that every judge that has been appointed by him is or should be loyal to him you know that's one of the things i wonder about is so he's he's appointed a whole bunch of judges at oh, this yeah. point like that's one thing mitch mcconnell's been very good at is getting through all these judges um and what i wonder is I know Trump didn't know any of these judges. Oh. He's, he didn't come up with these lists. So it's not like the judges are loyal to him. So I don't know that he sees that nuance. Well, I'm sure he doesn't. But I mean, like in terms of like as he's doing this and all these rulings are coming out, if they were his people, they'd be ruling in favor of him and twisting law as much as they yeah. could. But they're really Mitch McConnell's people, effectively. Like they're going to rule for corporate power and... and uh, you know, basically undermining uh, social welfare programs yeah. and all that sort of stuff. Like that's that's what they're about. They don't really care about necessarily Trump's little gambits on immigration and all that sort of stuff. So it's going to be interesting to see how that plays out. Yeah, except if you think that you want to maybe move up in a year or two, and if you make a key ruling in favor of Donald Trump, remember every public thing well, is an is an audition. Yeah, it's all an audition. Because as as, as we know from the substance. former almost DNI, <laughs> oh there it is, 
And I think Donald Trump believes if he can get things to the Supreme Court, the Supreme Court's always going to rule in his favor. Yep. Which it did this week, essentially saying that the new policy around ability to apply for asylum in the country can be enforced. So, you know, the government said, look, um, and it's a little complicated, and I'm sure I'm not going to get it 100% right. So if you're listening to the podcast, you can uh, correct me on iTunes. And I know nothing at this point, so I can't check them on it. So So essentially (laughs) it says you can't apply for asylum if you've come from certain South Central and South American countries unless you have applied for asylum in the countries you have transited and been denied on the way. So let's say you're in... Okay, so basically if you're in... See, now I'm going to like have my Latin America geography here, but, but inevitably they're all coming through Mexico. So basically it's saying they all have to apply for asylum in Mexico. At the very least. At the very least. And Mexico has to deny them that asylum claim before they get here. Before they get here. Which means... The United States could then say, well, we can instantly reject your asylum claim because right. even we're Mexico, just going to trust Mexico's opinion on this one. Even Mexico rejected your asylum right. claim. So it is both a, you know, so it, it is going back through the court. So what the Supreme Court actually said was not this is totally legal and you can do it. The Supreme Court said this has to work its way through the courts all the way. It okay, hadn't. so they pushed it back to the courts. Yes. Okay, so, okay. Um, but it can remain in place while that's going through yeah. the courts. Yeah, that's, so, that makes sense. I mean, it doesn't make sense, but it makes sense. Anyhow. Deep breaths. All right. We'll have more fun Trump stuff later, but I can't even. I don't know how your blood pressure's doing. <laughs> but I'm... Well, I, I've got my beer here, so yeah, I'm, I'm doing okay. Uh, yeah. Um, but I, uh, sort of the last thing in the in the tight orbit here, and I, I think this is a really important one, is that John Bolton was f- fired or resigned, depending on yeah, who you so ask. Yeah, so I did, I did hear this one while I was traveling, and it was, and I just heard as Trump fires Bolton. Like that's, I have no idea what happened beyond that. What little nuances there are around this. So, you know, it was a morning tweet, as they are. Yes. Right? Thank him for his service. He's gone. And Fox News reporting on it. And during Fox and Friends, they're like, well, Donald Trump decided to fire, you know, security Lorax (laughs) John Bolton. (laughs) (laughs) I speak for the bombs. Yes. And he's... And I guess as they're talking about it, not that I was watching Fox News, so John Bolton starts texting one of the people on Fox and Friends to say, actually, no, I resigned. He didn't fire me. I resigned. Who cares? You're not going to get, you're not getting, you're not getting severance. Like, you're not getting unemployment. Like, what do you, what do you, just, just, you can't fire me. I'm quitting. I'm quitting. I'm out. And, you know, there are some there are some things around there, um, some circumstances around the firing that are interesting. And it, it, it is a question like, what was John Bolton's role in the administration? You know, he's 
I mean, somebody, I gather he, he was trying to start some wars in some places. Oh, yeah, but yeah, yeah. I mean, very hawkish. Yeah, yeah. Which is a, I always love that term. Um, was advocating the most aggressive stance everywhere. Yeah. Probably solely responsible for getting the United States to pull out of the Iran nuclear deal and the arms agreement with well, with that Russia. was that was before, but that was before Bolton was on board. That we no, pulled it was out just of, after he got it. But we pulled out of the Iran deal was before Bolton. That was before Bolton. We'll put a pin in it. Come put back a pin later. in it. All right. Um, however, I think that you can. I think it's a reasonable thing to suspect that Bolton was one of the people pushing for us to. Uh, escalate the conflict with Iran when we're having the back and forth around uh, ships uh, being hijacked or not hijacked or right. all of that sort of stuff going on. So, and he was against any sort of engagement with North Korea, yeah, or unless it was Iran. involving a ICBM, I'm sure, right, or Afghanistan and the Taliban, yeah. So uh, the other. You know, and this is something probably not worthy of the international and actually more fun to talk about now. Right before uh, Bolton resigned, fired, uh, there yes. was a series of tweets that came out of nowhere that said, Today, from the Donald, today I canceled the super secret peace treaty meetings that we were going to have with the Taliban and the leaders of Afghanistan at Camp David. Oh, so, okay. So the <laughs> so, so so step 1, uh was what? there one? <laughs> was there actually so, a plan for one? So we know that there have been for a long time some some talks going yes. on uh, between the United States and the Taliban and kind of the Afghan government. Um, because Donald Trump because made a promise to pull everybody yeah. out, and uh, actually numbers have increased in Afghanistan since. Uh, and this should be international, but it's, again, much more fun to talk about it here and rele relevant. Numbers have increased in Afghanistan since uh, this president started. Um, so there have been talks, and evidently they were very close to a deal or had made a deal. Now, note that they had made the deal with the Taliban— not right. with Afghanistan, essentially. Okay, yes. So it's it was with the Taliban. And the details that we kind of heard were, you know, essentially the Taliban would promise, cross their hearts, <laughs> to not let terrorist organizations train and plan attacks against the United States. Right. In Afghanistan. Well, you know, and then like... And that, you know, like, okay, they promise, like, that's something we can monitor without having a lot of, like, we. Don't, I mean, inevitably, whatever happens, we're going to have some kind of special ops, you know, intelligence operation going on there. Sure. So that's something we can always monitor. Um, so, like, if they, you know, kind of cross their fingers behind their back as they're saying it, whatever. Yeah, like, but what if they're, they're training and somebody, like, hey, we know you guys are training for some things or some people are training there and they're like, don't worry, they're planning attacks against India. Oh, carry on. <laughs> right. Yeah. I well, mean, you know, and that's, uh, and there were some other clauses like that and 
hey, you'll yeah. talk to the Afghan government and stop killing people indiscriminately. Um, of course, the Afghan government didn't have to sign on to this. And in exchange, the United States was just going to leave and yeah. have everybody out in the next year and a half. Art of the deal. Yeah. So, and inevitably, what would happen is the Taliban would just then overrun the Afghan government sure. after we leave. Do whatever they want. Did I mention I recently watched the Ken Burns Vietnam War documentary? You hadn't. This, this, Did it start with Dien Bien Phu? So this sounds exactly like what we did in Vietnam, essentially, which was like, okay, we're yeah. going to make a deal effectively mostly just with, the, with North Vietnam and then, you know, make a deal. And we're going to say on the side, hey, we're going to protect you in South Vietnam. It'll be fine. And then, and then, we, and then we get out of there like... Maybe not. <laughs> but so, wasn't it like two weeks? They was like, just wait two weeks. Just right, wait. Right. We, we need our cots to be cold before you come in. Yeah. I, and look, it, well, and this is something actually that will come up when we're talking about Circus 2020. But, you know, the other part of this, you know, if you want to get everybody out of Afghanistan, I'm all for... Not fighting endless war. There's no, there's yeah. no strategic value in being in no. Afghanistan. Well, I mean, you know, going back to how this all unfolded in the first place, like the 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 right thing to would have been to go in there, take out the key, you know, Taliban leaders or whatever, get Osama bin Laden when we had the chance at Bora Bora and all that, and then go, and it would still be a chaotic mess as it has been for a very long time. Yes. I mean, it's not, it is a country in only technically. So, I mean, it's like yeah. basically a bunch of little valleys and whatever. Yeah. And all Go ahead, of draw it. those lines. Like, those lines yeah, don't just, mean anything It's to the not people. worth being involved in for anybody. Um, and so I would be content to just, you know, whatever you need to make it seem like you've saved face to get the hell out, fine. Get the hell out. Yeah. There's no reason to be there. So, again, yes. presumably these negotiations had gotten to the point where they're ready to sign a deal, and Donald Trump's like, you know, it'd be a great idea. Oh God! Let's bring him to Camp David. The week of nine eleven. That's going to be a great idea. <laughs> and <laughs> of course, there was a bombing in Kabul last week. Uh, a pretty low scale bombing in comparisons to most of what's happened, but a, an American service member was killed. Yeah. And then these tweets come out that says, I've canceled this super secret meeting where we were going to sign this deal, but now we're not, and they better not mess with us because we'll bring all this fury down upon it, whatever the words were. Um, it is one of those things to me that just feels like, you know, my Canadian girlfriend was going to be at the bar tonight, but I broke up with her right. on the way over. Right. We were going to no, get she's, married. She's real, man. She's totally she's real. real. Totally real. Uh, uh, and that was also right before uh, his Lorax girlfriend broke up with him, right? So there's no more Bolton. Bolton, who was against the whole engagement with the Taliban. Of course. In any he sense. He likes bombing things. I totally um, get that. Um, so, so at this point, there is no deal, right? That's like, I, I mean, as far I, as we know. As far I mean, as we know. It's I mean, dead. there's he the secret deal, obviously, but... We didn't know about a deal before, but now the deal we did know about that we did not now know about is now not dead. It's dead, but not undead. Yes, clearly. Well, it's almost October. Spooktober. So 
yeah. So who's going to replace John Bolton? Nobody knows. Lots why, of auditions. Why replace him at all? Just have an interim head of whatever and national national security advisor yes yes so the interim national security advisor i guess uh well the interim national security advisor has already been asked to leave uh he was oh, appointed well, by john right. bolton let's get ahead of the game john bolton was very you know surrounding himself of course he was people like himself uh lots of mustaches yeah, i was just gonna say <laughs> it's a well-groomed lot <laughs> it's like is that guy from parks and rec available right no uh, uh so okay well, but now, you know, one of the balloons that's been floated is Mike Pompeo to serve in a dual role of national security advisor and secretary of state. Oh, well, why not? I mean, there's precedent for that. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> yes, on, but, but can we assume the president was a competent person? Take a guess. I have no idea. You're going to love it. You're going to okay. hope it's all kinds of precedent. Okay. Richard Nixon. Oh, of course. <laughs> of course it was. <laughs> How did I not see this coming? <laughs> Henry Kissinger yeah. was both Secretary of State well, you know and what? National Security I, Advisor. I can like Henry Kissinger's actually competent. I mean, he's, you know, he's he's a cold-hearted bastard, but you know, also true and good at it. But yeah. it was uh, you know, some of that debate and look, I think you're you're actually right. I We are continually moving and we've talked about this on the podcast before we are moving to this unitary executive world right well Nobody, like, there's no like, advice and consent we don't we don't yeah he doesn't even have advisors really yeah, anymore just it's fire like, everybody so here's a fun trivia question for you uh-oh what is the name of the current press secretary oh she was the press secretary for the gop in arizona uh, okay you got, know more than i do she's got three duis uh, she's this, this she's got like this history of revoking press passes. Like I, I realized this the other day. Like I follow politics pretty closely, and I had no idea because she doesn't do press conferences. No, like they just don't doesn't. do that anymore. No, uh, her name. I am going to the Google. Uh, it's not actually important. I mean, really, Stephanie it's not actually Grisham. important. Stephanie Grisham. Okay. Stephanie Grisham. Wow. And they, you know, uh, look, I know. Sort of all is fair, but media outlets do a really good job of picking pictures of people based on what they think of them. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so I'm looking at two pictures when I Google them. The Fox News, like Stephanie Grisham, just went to glamour shots, maybe. Right, right. Probably the, you know, very professionally done, very nice, very good. Real clear politics. She looks like Susie Sue from Susie and the Bandits. <laughs> yeah. Come on now. Come on. All right. Uh, so, yeah, she is the press secretary. Not that you'd know it. Uh, we don't really do that anymore. Yeah, we don't do press events. So, so, you know, from a presidential national standpoint, I think that was those were the things I really there were there were many other things. Oh, I'm those sure. Those were the things I wanted to kind of catch you up on. OK. Um, I also felt like something we've talked about before that is um, Interesting to talk about in three facets is the lovely state of North Carolina, Tar Heel okay. State. Yes, uh, just finished up the 2018 midterms in North Carolina. So, if you remember, North Carolina nine was the uh, was the race that was won by several hundred votes by the Republican, and then it came out afterwards 
that the Republican had hired a consultant who actually did Committed real crimes, <laughs> real voter fraud. Yes. Uh, he had people harvesting ballot ballots unsealed. They would throw them away. They would mark them for him. They would do whatever. Yeah. Probably did that in the primary as well. And, and note that he didn't go out and just hire a bunch of people to just go vote multiple times or something like that, because that's hard to do. That's, you, it's much it, easier it to actually happen. just rig the vote. Yes. That did happen. Yes. Man of God. He was a pastor. Um, so uh, he did not run again, uh, but they had their special election. Uh, the Republican did win. Um, not too surprisingly. It was the yeah. polls were pretty close. Uh, he won by two points. Uh, this was a district that Donald Trump won by 12 points. Okay, so well. Take something to, um, in the tainted election in 2016, the margin was l- less, though. It was like 0. 0.6, 0.7%. Okay. So um, whatever that tells you, the Republican ended up winning. He's going to sit for next year, but he's going to be challenged again next year. Right, right, right. So, uh, which is interesting. But I, um, there were two other things that I wanted to talk about in terms of North Carolina because I— I found it interesting. One is that um, the legislature is going through a process that needs to end this week about the district maps. Okay. So they were they were uh, found to be unconstitutional. Um, North Carolina is one of the states uh, that has something in their constitution about the vote being free and open. And that was the part of the Constitution in North Carolina that was found to be uh, infringed upon in the the maps. Right. Now, these were maps that were drawn with the consultant whose work we have heard about recently. Who... This My is a guy who who died, and then his daughter yes. like got a, one of the hard drives that then revealed all of the shenanigans he was trying to pull. Shipped it out. Yeah. And he's got emails like, I know I'm dying, but we can still own the libs, essentially. You're Look right. at all the havoc we can cause. And it was very clear that he was, you know, cracking and packing racial minorities. Like, yes. just it was. Yeah, it was not very clear. Yeah. So they're going through this redistricting. The uh, they've done maps, uh, maps computed by uh, some University of Michigan professors um, who actually testified against the Republican Party in the uh, in the the cases? They're still trying to figure those out. Right. Um, I think they have a Wednesday deadline, so that's going on. But nobody trusts one another. Yeah. And one of the reasons that nobody trusts one another in North Carolina, other than the voter fraud that we talked about, is the legislature in North Carolina. Now, North Carolina has a Republican state legislature, a Democrat. For governor, yes, um, right be in the lame duck session. Yes, they to, like move to take all oh, of yeah. the power they could from the governor. Right, I think they passed a law that said the governor can't wear pants. Yes, I mean it was pretty egregious. Yes, so, shorts are fine, pants not okay. Yeah. <laughs> Short pants fine, waistcoats no way. Mm. On nine eleven, uh, the legislators all got together. This we're gonna go. With, there's a memorial. Uh, we should all be there. It's really important for us to show our unity. Where business is not happening, we're going to do this. The Republicans all run back, put co- put the legislature in session, while the Democrats are at a 9-11 memorial ceremony and pass a veto <laughs> vote. <laughs> a veto override on the governor. 
That's insane. Oh, man. That's that. <laughs> it's interesting because, like, North Carolina is, like, because the the demographics of the state are shifting because you have, like, the tech corridor there and all that where it's, like, you're bringing in new people, which is why there's a governor who is a Democrat. But because the legislature has controlled things and they've gerrymandering yeah. the districts and whatever else, that they've maintained a lot more power than they otherwise should. Um, and then they go and do crazy shit like that. And it's like they just don't care about... Right. They don't care about the rule of law. They care about power and yeah. the exercise of power. And, and to their credit, when the guy the person who was designing the maps or in charge of that process the last time said when somebody asked him like, well, you know, it's really the split is like 55% Republican voters, 45% Democrat voters. Why did you make the map seven, three Republican districts versus democratic districts? And he said, because I couldn't make it eight, two. Right. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it's, but, you know, it comes okay. back to the same thing I was saying about Trump is like, well, if you can get away with it and yeah. nobody's going to hold you accountable. Exactly. And you don't personally care about the way that things are supposed to be done, then there you go. Do that. Lie big, lie bigger. Yep. Luckily, we live in a state like Illinois where nothing's been gerrymandered. Right. <laughs> so I said I was going to I was going to end the national rundown. In the same way that I started, with total ridiculousness. Okay. Sort of a ridiculousness sandwich. So we started with Sharpie Gate. The other thing that dominated the news cycle for about a week was the great fast food fried chicken debate. (laughs) Now, you can't see this on the podcast, (laughs) but my face is... Changing many shapes. Yeah. So like I'm like, wait, what, wait, what? what are we talking I about? I don't is this understand. a Popeye's chicken sandwich thing? Is it this is. is okay? All right, all right. It's Popeye's versus Chick Fil A. Yes. Who's got the better chicken sandwich? Oh Jesus! I mean, this, this yeah, this did kick off before. Like okay, there was a whole big people waiting in lines at Popeye's. I'm like, it's people a chicken sandwich. Out of people chicken like it makes no sense. Like it's still carrying on. Like okay, so so who who won? Nobody wins in the fried chicken sandwich <laughs> debate. Twitter wins. Twitter wins that debate. And is there like a, I assume there is now a like whole political fragmentation around this of like right wing versus left wing Popeyes oh, I mean, or Chick-fil-A. Sure. Uh, sure. Some people are saying like, well, you can't have the, I, I've never had the Chick-fil-A sandwich. I mean, if you ask, you know, if you ask a very progressive candidate, they'd have to say, I've never had the Chick-fil-A sandwich based on their politics, their right, right. policies of you know, yeah. founding or funding. Uh, conversion therapy, and so I would never have Chick-fil-A sandwiches. I I preferred the takes that were like, Chick-fil-A is the white version of a decent chicken sandwich. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Or one of them was, you know, it's Chick-fil-A tastes like they've had a good chicken sandwich, but they care about your cholesterol. <laughs> Popeye's tastes like... <laughs> Whoever's making it is making it to make it as good as they can. They don't care about your cholesterol because it's in God's hands. Right. <laughs> so we've sandwiched all the news. With sandwiches, ironically. With, with so sandwiches. A Sharpie sandwich sandwich. It doesn't sound very delicious. So I think we should take a little break. Yes. And uh, we'll talk about the beer that you had. 
Yes. And maybe bring you up to date on Circus 2020, which hasn't been as interesting, but maybe a little more fun. So, Steve, you've been in Europe. Yes. Give us a quick beer rundown. Well, you know, the thing of it is, I realize how good we have it here. We do. Um, you know, like, so I start off in Prague, which is by far the best place for beer of all the places I went. Mostly our places I went. So I went to Prague, Venice, Nice, and Paris. So the rest of those places are much more wine-focused, whereas I was able to get beer pretty consistently in in Prague. Um, But even so, it was like you would go to a bar, and it'd have, like, they'd have have the the lager, and they'd have the dark beer, and that was it. Like, most of the places, it was, like, one or two choices. Helles or Dunkel? (laughs) Yes. Um... Now, that said, I did go to one, and let me check my untapped check-ins here. Okay, so I went to a place called Yusupa in Prague and ordered a flight. They had, like, a, a pre-selected flight of beers. All right. Like, nice. Oh, I like it. I like yeah, it. Yeah, they had, like, you know, they probably had, like, maybe 10 beers on tap, and it was, like, all their beers. Like, okay, cool. Uh, except for, like, one was a, a Belgian that I happened to like that was included. But anyhow, it was not like, you know, normally you get a flight and it's like, you know, little little tiny, like, two-ounce pours or whatever of a few beers. These were giant glasses of beer, and it was like six of them. So I got, and this is also the day I showed up there jet-lagged and trying to stay up until, you know, a reasonable bedtime. Eight. Yeah. <laughs> And so, like, you know, it's like four in the afternoon, and I'm drinking probably what amounted to, like, four regular beers. Nice. You know, like, okay. So that one was definitely the highlight of my my beer drinking tour. Um, Every place else, yeah, it was mostly like they have maybe they have a lager. They have maybe a lager on in a bottle. (laughs) so not not the best beer drinking territory I was in. I've I I'd previously gone to Bruges in Belgium, and that's like beer drinking heaven. It's like every bar has all of these amazing beers, and I've been to Bruges. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Um, but you know, it made me really appreciate um, one of the things I think really makes, and you know, this gets back to a theme I think that we have hit on or will be hitting on is like. You know, you, the way we set up the systems, you know, really helps to drive the way things ultimately turn out. And sure. that's one of the reasons yeah. why I'm involved in politics is, like, I could go work for an, a specific cause. The reason I'm involved in politics more generally is I feel like if we have a good system of government that will make good decisions, that will then m- fix more problems in the long run. Right. And so in this country, we have a tiered system where the brewers who are brewing cannot also control the distribution of their beer. And so like the, you know, so Budweiser makes a bunch of beer, but they don't own the distribution of their beer. There's other companies that do that. And so what it allows for is that small craft breweries can get in and not have to build up their own distribution network. They can sell through those distributors. And so, uh, I think that's the main reason why we're able to have so many bars where it's like, you know, I mean, going to a bar now that has less than half a dozen beers on tap is crazy. Like, every place has, 
you know, 10, 12 craft beers, inevitably one you've never had, no matter where you go. It's, it's, it's amazing. And so I like, I like the way that system works. I mean, there are, there are flaws in it and whatever, and, you know, state-by-state regulations are a little goofy at times. But, you know, I could go into any bar in Chicago, have a sour, have an IPA, have a stout, have a lager, whereas, you know, in Europe it was lager. That's it. <laughs> And I love loggers. I just, just got a little bored of them after a point. I don't know what I would have done. Yeah. I would have brought my own hops. Right. Yeah, you know, like just dropping them into the logger. Like, <laughs> just, uh, can I make this more bitter? Right. Yes. Right. It's like, this is, this is too, I can taste, I can, I can taste still. Can we, can we fix that? <laughs> well, and I, I too have been to Prague and I, I recall at the time, you know, that the beer was good and it was cheap. Uh, was yeah. That's living. the thing about Prague. The beer is absurdly cheap. Like, yeah. And here's the thing, like, just drinks cost all the same. So if you get a beer or a Coke or a coffee, it's all the same price. Like, it's like, well, then it ends up being about, like, two bucks, three bucks. Yeah, I think that was the Simpsons where they go to Australia. It was the same thing. But yeah. what I recall, and I, I had been living in England where, frankly, beer is pretty cheap. Yeah. But then when we went to Prague, it was even cheaper. And this was in the days before sort of minimum IBUs were 70 or something like right. that. So, you know, it was good. To, it was nice to have a good, clean, crisp lager for, you know, a couple of pounds. Break it up, yeah. Uh, well, I envy, even though you were forced to drink French and Italian wine <laughs> in Venice I, and Nice, somehow I, I you suffered, suffered through. through it, but, you know, it was all good. You know, I had any I the did, worst you know, for wear. It was a really good trip. Um, Nice and relaxing, lots of walking around old, beautiful cities. So it was, it was great. And that's great. And I guess next week we'll have to find someplace new. You'll be fully back into the yes, drinking I'll be, beer again. I think I'm mostly over my jet lag at this point. I'll be completely over it by the next time. I'll actually have followed politics for a week, which will be different. <laughs> It'll make you want to move back. but Right? So let's talk about the circus. Election Circus 2020. And one of the things that is a reality now, I guess, or at least for this episode, is that we have a completely new section of Circus 2020. Really? The Republican candidates. Okay. So we had a couple. Well, we had one and a quarter. Bring me up to date. Yeah, yeah. Before... So, obviously, the incumbent is still going to run, unfortunately. Bill Weld had been in for a while. Right, right. Uh, in we the last our, two our weeks. local boy. Well, Joe Walsh had announced yes. right before you left. Yep. And he is still making lots of noise. But now Mark Sanford, former representative and governor of South Carolina. He has returned from the Appalachian Trail. <laughs> he has returned from the Appalachian Trail. Yeah, so to run uh, for president. Yeah, so just a little bit of background on him for those of you who are not familiar with the fine Sanford. Uh, he was having, and I'm trying to remember this, like he was having an affair with a woman from like Argentina or something yeah, like that. Yeah, yeah. And he was like, and he disappeared on the taxpayer dime and like nobody knew where he was. And so they said he was out walking the Appalachian Trail. Okay. Which and was a great euphemism for about six months. Right, right. And uh, so, yeah, so it turned out he was, you know, and he ended up 
losing office because of that, right? Maybe? No. Maybe. maybe <laughs> I don't know. That, that always seem, Republicans always seem to get away with that crap. So. Yeah, but now he's back. Guess who's back? Back again. Sanford's back from the tell trail. Tell a friend on yeah, the Appalachian Trail. I mean, it's it's great. And so what you're seeing now is we had Bill Weld, and, who was a little kooky, right? But we've got two more mainstream. I guess Joe Walsh, more of a Tea Party guy, you know. And what they found is that there aren't going to be any Republican primaries, essentially. Right. There's, They're just changing the rules in every state. Now, in fairness, in some states, they did this when George W. Bush was president, you know, running for re-election. So there is precedent for it in Nevada, I think, North Carolina. Um, but they are upset. Like, we should have primaries. We should be debating these things. And, of course, Donald Trump, and I think rightly so, is saying, essentially, fuck off. I'm not right. going to talk to you guys. You're yeah. not interesting for me. Yeah, um, I mean, yeah, there's not, yeah, there's not like there's a series of debates scheduled. I mean, it is. it does seem crazy to me, though, that, like, that primaries just aren't a thing if, there's, if you're the incumbent president. Because, I mean, historically, there has at least been some potential for challenges um i mean you know you know when lbj was running um and you know they'll and he ended up deciding not to run eventually which that was another thing for the vietnam war documentary i was watching <laughs> like like watching the timeline of like well they had a primary and then like and then bobby yeah. kennedy decides after the primary to he's going to start running like wait wait what, what? <laughs> you can't do that <laughs> i yes like we, it's a very different world now. Like that could be a whole other podcast. You can oh, yeah. check out our podcast on EJ and Steve review Ken Burns <laughs> documentaries <laughs> in in twelve parts. <laughs> <laughs> it's mostly just very short clips of music music from the era. Yes, and us going, I can't believe that. So there is some precedent, although. I think this is also partially a reaction to some states saying, if you want to run for president, if you want to be on the ballot, you need to have any ballot. You need to submit your tax returns. You need to make them public. Right. So now it doesn't help them in the general, but if it helps them in the primaries, if those tax returns don't come out until or never come out. Say Donald Trump just writes off California altogether. Yeah, he can get. Yeah, that's not a problem for him. Say his path to victory was never going through California. Yeah, he's um, got Texas. He's fine. So I think that's a. It's an interesting thing. At the very least, it'll generate noise. Yeah. I think on the Republican side, uh, throughout the. I mean, it's certainly noteworthy that anybody's even suggesting they're going to run against him, even though they have no real physics for how they're going to do it. <laughs> they don't, but hey, I am more all power for to them. Yes. Yeah, more literally power to more power to them. Yes. I I mean not a not a lot. I mean just would just, I donate just, $5 to Mark Sanford? I might donate $5 to Mark Sanford. You just get just get the t-shirt. I just get Packed the t-shirt. by Mark Sanford. <laughs> I I mean <laughs> on the It would actually trip. be interesting to get a t-shirt or two from Republican candidates to see, I mean, I know what I'm going to get when I get a Democratic candidate t-shirt. First of all, it's going to have the union bug. Right. Like, all over it. Yeah. 
like 17 places. Yeah. Like everything that gets touched, like the cardboard box is going to say like corrugated by, you know, corrugators local 406 right. in Cuyahoga, Ohio. Right. Yes. Like all the way down. It's required. I, I would love to see just get one from like, you know. Proudly outsourced to made by uh, like slave labor <laughs> in Samoa. Yeah. Like. Was used to choke a baby seal prior to shipping. Right. Made purely of uh, spotted owls. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Powered only by fracking extracted yes. natural gas. I mean, Run that is through the a kind nuclear reactor just to give it a nice glowing quality. I would like that. It would be like the hypercolor that we got when we were in right. high school. It might give so, you cancer, but hey, whatever. On the Democratic side, yes. the polls haven't changed. That's not a surprise. Yeah, it's, a, it's, it's kind of all the same. Uh, <sighs> you know. Gillibrand's not in anymore. Okay, well, that made sense. Yeah, I mean, and it was really funny about Gillibrand. Is of all of the candidates, she, is, she was the one that I, I was most surprised didn't get traction. I thought yeah. she had good qualifications. Um, she had good national recognition. She is from a large electoral state. Like, got in early, got in with a good message. Yeah. Well, and there was, like, people suggesting that it was because she had, you know, been early against Al Franken when all that happened. And I think that's, I mean, like, the, the, the evidence I've seen around that has been pretty specious. So I don't really buy it, but. I will, I will give that a very generous two-point difference in her polling numbers. Right. Yeah, exactly. Like, I mean, you know, maybe that hurts her with some don specific donors. But, like, yeah. if you can, you know, I mean, that's the thing. Like, if you can get grassroots traction, you're fine. And, like, and she didn't do that. And, I, I mean, I saw her at Netroots Nation. She was fine. But, like, you know. Yeah, I, I mean. She went. She <laughs> was kind of hysterical. So they had a, 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 a mother come up on stage and ask a question with her baby or whatever. And Gillibrand goes over there and like, like wants to hold the baby and is like holding the baby while answering questions. And it was all like, okay. And then Julian Castro comes out as he's the next one out. And like another person comes out to ask a question with the baby and they're like, you want to, you want to grab the baby? He's like, no, 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 that's fine. Like I've been, I've been, it actually was great. He's like, I've been shaking people's hands all day. I don't want to give the baby a cold. Like, okay, that's actually a good answer. <laughs> But anyhow, so I have digressed, but <laughs> Gillibrand's out. Okay. Gillibrand is out. Yes. Um, again, I, and it's a funny thing about the whole Franken thing because, first of all, Al Franken was my favorite senator. Oh, yeah. And I don't hold it against, I did not hold it against Kristen Gillibrand at all. Right. I mean, that's the thing. Like, I, you know, I was a big Franken fan until all that came out. And I'm like, nope, nope, he can go now. Like, yeah. that's all right. Uh, so Gillibrand's out. Uh, Andrew Yang making it rain. So Andrew Yang, uh, prior to the third debate, although it factored into the third debate, had said, look, I'm going to give a number of families. Uh, essentially, he's going to try out his UBI, the Freedom Dividend, $1,000 to every adult over 18, right, once a month for a year. So he's going to personally do this? Yeah. For some number of people. Yes. So there's a lottery. You can sign up. You can they sign have to up. Donate to him, right? Like that's not a. That's not. You a, don't have to. Okay, don't. Okay. 
no purchase necessary. No purchase necessary. Don't have to Offer be. Offer void in Utah. Yeah, exactly. I don't, know. Um, don't have to be there to win. Um, I, but, hey, it made some news. He's really, you know, he's still pushing the UBI. He's pushing his message. And I've got to tell you, I've heard him talk about it a few times. Um, I'm not on Team Yang. But I like what he's saying. I mean, he's thought that through. And it is the the classic that maybe we've been missing since Jay Inslee left. Oh, those three weeks ago. Yes. But, you know, he is a candidate with one thing. And he knows it very well. And he's thought it through very deeply. Yeah, and I and I, I find UBI to be an an interesting concept. Um, like, I was at a I was at an event where they had some union workers who were there who were paid to be there, just to do literally do nothing. Like they were just, you know, like. And that was the way that their union had made this agreement with the convention facility is that if there was basically some other person to do that job hired by whatever private organization was doing it, then a union person would also be there and would have to be paid for even if they were doing nothing. I'm like, I I think that's, you know, it's like, oh, that's a good, strong union. I like that they're doing that. However, being paid to do literally nothing kind of sucks. I mean, it's good to be paid, but, you know, and so like, a system where we have, you know, a UBI or something like that, where it's like, you know, hey, I can actually go out and do things that are maybe a little more relevant to me, important to me, creative, good for society, rather than just sort of sitting in a convention center reading right. the Internet. <laughs> you know, so I, I, I think it's a, the, the only thing I have a problem with with Yang is that that's, he's basically a one trick pony. It's like, OK, he does UBI. Cool. I'm glad we're talking about that. But yeah, no, and that's that's yeah. just it. I, yeah, again, yeah. it's a very deep knowledge, a very specific mm-hmm. thing, and I think it brings up a lot of, you know, questions about generally the way our capitalist economy has evolved. Yes. and and yeah. I'm all for that discussion and debate. Um, but he, you know, putting his money where his mouth is and and sort of rolling this out to people, he's made a splash, right? Like people have started talking about it. Yeah, will that matter? I don't know. Um, one other piece of news from the circus is that the Democratic National Committee has said no to the virtual caucuses in Iowa. So there's this um, idea that had been put forth that a certain percentage of delegates, like I think 15% of the de- delegates, would be assigned in the Iowa caucuses based on virtual caucuses. So people not having to show up to a school gym or a church basement or wherever the caucuses are It would just be online? It would be through an app that people would download oh, on their phone. No, and no, 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 no. <laughs> like, no, just stop. Like, you guys, I mean, good on them to say that's a terrible idea. But these are the same people who lost the election last time, chiefly because of people hacking things. So let's not, let's not. Yeah. Can we not? So like, it, w- it was really interesting. Uh, there were some, some things in the Iowa caucuses that, you know, some rules that the Iowa Democratic Party was trying to pass you know, around virtual caucuses, around, you know, how they're going to relay the numbers yeah. around things because, you know, delegates don't necessarily translate to votes. And, you you know, it's it's almost indirect elections. So, you know, yeah, there's all kinds of weird things and like the delegates yeah. in that. And so they're the Democratic Party is trying to make it, I would say, cleaner. Yeah. I don't know that it hurts or helps any specific well, candidates. Well, caucuses but are... 
caucuses are kind of problematic. I mean, there's a lot of like downsides to them in terms of like, you know, basically you have to be able to have the time to go and stand around in this gym and do all of that. Yeah. And it's like, yeah. you know, if you have a disability or whatever else, like that's a problem. And that if, was the whole point of the virtual caucus. Yes, absolutely. And that's the thing that's, that's frustrating is because I think that there is good reasons to do something like that. There's just not a good way to actually execute on it. Right. Um, you know, the way that they should be doing it is just a plain old primary where people can find their ways to vote in the ways that we do everywhere yeah. else. But, you know, it is what it is. We, we, for some reason, decided that we're going to have a government largely driven by what people in Iowa want to do. So, okay. It's just the first one, man. Momentum is everything, right? Right. So speaking of that, let's talk about the third debate. Yes. So we finally had everybody on one stage in a nice, crisp three hours. Okay. Now, see, I can do three hours. See, three hours with all, all the important yeah. contenders on stage, I think I can do that. When it's, you know, three hours and it's like half of the stage is people I don't care about in the slightest... Yeah, it's pretty tedious. So okay, so yeah, three so hours, it was three hours. Um, but a little the bit of a grind, was better, but right? They were they were giving people a chance to talk. There was a little more depth in things than we had in previous okay. sessions. Um, we no longer had like Kamala Harris representing the the lefternmost uh, uh, health insurance policy. No, none of that. I I will say as a top line, what I took away from it and other people could disagree, was that nobody really stood out. Okay. Most people had a, a good day, at least as good or better than they had in the other days. Yeah. You know, there were, um, I, I, I got done with that, and I was like, I'm kind of in the same spot as I was before, yeah. you know? Um, Nobody shined as much as they had previously, you know, so there weren't big breakout moments um, with a couple of exceptions. So, again, I would say mostly pretty even. If you look at polling numbers since then, um, you know, uh, I don't know how you would quantify who wins something. Um, I think you could argue that Elizabeth Warren won the debate of 10 people. Okay. Uh, because her I'm not going to argue that. Yeah, I know you're not going to argue that. <laughs> um, you know, because she may have gotten more support uh, from it. Uh, you could argue Beto O'Rourke won it because his favorability numbers went up the most. Okay. Um, so the kind of highlights, like I don't think Elizabeth Warren had big highlights as she had before she was very steady yeah uh, you know she and uh bernie sanders were flanking uh joe biden and joe was certainly in the you know he was driving the the centerist camaro right down the center right he yeah. was uh keeping his messages that are you know pretty pragmatic pretty right of the rest of the party but certainly left of center nationally but um we we can get into relative definitions of center and all that but we can we, get we into know that, what you're saying yes. yeah, yeah but yeah. you know he was you know biden's gonna biden right he yeah. was um he was actually really good at the beginning of the debate he was the best uh, that he had been yeah. he was sharp he was a little combative 
He was making good points on either side. And obviously he was being the he was the target of everybody on stage. Right. Because right. he's the front runner and that's how um, this works. Yeah. So there and I, and I thought he was very good. He was the best he had been. Yeah. In in the debate. Now he slowed down over those 3 hours. Yeah. Um There was an exchange between him and Julian Castro that was actually very interesting in that as soon as it started I saw and I thought well Kamala Harris this is Julian Castro trying to be Kamala Harris he's she's he's going to make some big statement he's going to try to take some get some, the kn- you know get the knife out and get the knife out and he just sounded mean essentially he was okay. like you don't remember what you said two minutes ago you've forgotten what you just said oh. and it was probably more of a misunderstanding and maybe a nuance of language um, it was about buy-in versus opt-in in healthcare. It's like, yeah. Um, he did make somebody did make a good point. Biden was talking about it. They were talking about immigration and you know, sort of Biden wanting to attach himself to Obama on things like Obamacare, but right. not as much on things like immigration. Oh yeah, yeah. Right, and like trying to have it both ways. And there were some really salient points about that that ended up not sticking as well as. As yeah. maybe they they could have, um, and you know one of the things we saw was that Castro's numbers went down after the debate. Yeah. So Castro did not have a bad debate other than that one exchange. Well, but I mean, you think about like who are the people who are Castro supporters at this point, and it's in. I think there's a. I mean, most of the people I know who who speak well of Castro are nominally yeah. really Warren supporters. Is like yeah. the people who are like, oh yeah, I like Castro too, and and because he'd been doing pretty well in debates and making some good points, so like having one where he comes off as a bit of a dick, like that's not gonna, that's not gonna work well to those people who are like have him as sort of a second right place. And, well, in the, those group of people, the biggest overlap is with O'Rourke, yeah, and and Beto had a pretty good debate. It was okay. in Texas, and it, that should have been good for Julio oh, Castro yeah. as well. So it was in Texas at a historically black, black college, and. Um, the, you know, Beto has, has rebranded his entire campaign around gun violence. So he had a chance to re-Beto his uh, campaign. Aha. Uh-huh. Aha. Uh-huh. Dad jokes always flowing. Um, and he did so around, you know, around the shootings in El Paso. And, you know, and he gave a very impassioned speech about assault weapons and high-velocity rounds during the debate and it was it was very powerful uh very well done yeah and it, part of that was him you know essentially you know saying there should be a mandatory buyback of assault style rep- weapons and you know it's like hell yes we will take your ar-15 and your ak-47 um and he did it in a very better way and just like his Senate campaign where everything seemed contemporaneous and he was, you know, he always seemed authentic because it was like, I'm just saying this right now and I don't, I don't right, care right. what anybody thinks. Like within, I don't know, four seconds of him saying that, you could buy the Hell Yes t-shirt from his campaign website. Uh, yes. But hey, you know what? His campaign is doing good things. Yeah, like no, that's I mean, the I th- best his campaign uh, has yeah, done. Yeah, for sure. Now, I think part of it is that he's he's taking on an issue where I think he's got a little bit more room to to go out there because he's not going to piss off 
you know, potential donors or whatever else, and he doesn't have to, like, kind of ride that line. He's like, this is working for him. He can go with it, and he doesn't have to worry about it. So, Where is he going with it, though? Anyway. Well, yeah. I mean, ultimately, it's like, sounds good, but, you know, and I think it buys him a little bit of short-term traction, but, like, but we're talking about approval numbers have bumped, bumped up. Like, I mean, like, how's his polling? Because if polling is the same, it doesn't much matter. <laughs> yeah, so his favorability went up. Like almost nine points, which is really okay. good. That's uh, good. But his polling numbers, you know, his polling numbers went up just over half a percentage point. Okay. And but and that is actually the real story, right? Because, you know, nobody's above twenty percent, right? Outside of Buttigieg, Harris, Sanders, Warren, and Biden. Yeah. And Sanders, Warren, and Biden, they're basically running away with it. At this they're point. running away. Yeah. And, you know, Kamala Harris had kind of a, a bad debate. She's just trying to piss off Trump or get him to attack her. Um, she called him the little dude behind the curtain. I think, I think what she said was, you know, in The Wizard of Oz, they get up and they pull back the curtain and it's just some small dude. Yeah. And of course, George Stephanopoulos was like, hey. <laughs> Which was a very funny moment, and the Democrats yes. had all the jokes. I mean, I, I really felt like they had they had had somebody writing for him. Um, Buttigieg had a had a good debate. You know, I, I think he's going to see a new rebump, or maybe a re leveling to where he was before. Um, I mean, I think honestly, until we get to the point that there's you know half a dozen people on that stage, it's we're not going to see a lot of movement. It's no. like it's just. Too many people, too many different ways that the interactions can happen. It's nobody gets enough time to really get into any depth, uh, even if it's a little bit better now than it was. So, and, and it was better, but you're totally right. Yeah. And luckily, in the next debate, we've added one more person already. Styers in for the oh, fourth Jesus. <laughs> so I don't know what's going to happen there. Because you know what I was thinking? We need another rich white guy to jump in here and save us all. Great. Um. You know, I mean, fundamentally, I don't have a problem with Steyer, except for the fact that I get the sense that he's 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 doing things that make him feel important rather than doing things that would be helpful. But whatever. I, I, be. So that means we have two debates next time. I, I don't think anybody knows yet. Oh, Jesus. You know, because we don't actually know how many people are going to qualify. Well, no, because it's the same qualification, right? So but they still have time. So we might get more. Like, right. no, like the thing of it is, is like nobody who is in this debate is nobody drops out at this point unless they just drop out of the. Yeah. And entirely. I think I was I, I was yeah. wrong about that previously. You yes. were Right about it. So yes. everybody who's listening, we're issuing a correction. <laughs> so rate us on <laughs> it, iTunes. Errata. <laughs> yeah. um, so everybody's going to be in uh, that is now. And we've got like Gabbard and Williamson Styers in. Gabbard and Williamson have the donors they need. Um, Gabbard's probably going to get to the polls. She's got two or three. Uh, um, Williamson probably <laughs> won't. Um, the Bennett, one debate I'm not. The one debate I'm not around for. It, we actually have a reasonable number of people. Yeah. Bennett could potentially make it, Why? but I doubt it. <laughs> but let's just remember. At least we don't have to deal with De Blasio anymore. Uh, that's true. Or mess him. <laughs> like, I, it, it drives me nuts because it's like all these people are wasting our time. And, like, 
Yeah. It would just, let's just get past that. You don't really actually have a shot. I mean, and look, again, I think you look at the, the people who are in that debate, I would, I would cut it at O'Rourke because I think Castro probably has done too much to hurt himself. Yeah. Um, but O'Rourke, Booker, Warren, Sanders, Harris, Buttigieg, Biden. Yeah. That's um, a reasonable. That's like a, a reasonable that's a reasonable group. field. Like you can have a good debate that way. Um, you know, they represent a pretty good diversity of views in the party. Like, I think that'd be good. Yeah, I think that would be good. Um, and again, Booker had a good debate. Yeah, he was he was honest. He was open. He was the the right Booker for for the time. Yeah. Um, I just think we we need to get that message starting to to hone in to focus in. Yeah. Um, the the one thing from the debate that that I, I wanted to bring up. It's the, the meme and the thing you'll hear about. So there was some discussion about, you know, institutional racism, about, you know, how things have been pervasive in the country. And this was near the end of the debate. Biden started rambling on. And he talked about, essentially it was a lecture about how people without means should raise their children and he's like well you know poor kids get to school they haven't heard as as many words as as rich kids so you need to make sure that they're you're reading to them and if you can't read to them then put on the record player and then what what what? actually said tv and then he corrected himself to record player (laughs) and there's like this weird thing where it's both a combination of you know and this is based on a study that was actually kind of debunked, but like first telling people how to raise their kids, like I'm going to tell all the poor people how to raise their kids. And second record player. Right. Huh? <laughs> um, <laughs> you meant eight track. Yeah. I th- sorry. 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 I meant, uh, I, uh, actually it would real be funnier. Real tape. It, it would have been funnier if you would have said, I'm sorry. You know what I really meant there? What I really meant there was, uh, <clears throat> Yeah, I know I said record player, but I'm so out of touch. I really meant mini disc. <laughs> <laughs> hey, it was good technology. What yeah, all those kids have those mini disc players, right? You know, they're mini discs. So, you know, it's people things people are going to latch on to. And, you know, this last week we've saw, seen some interesting things endorsement-wise. Um, the Working Families Party, which is a, you know, pretty left-leaning um, they endorse a lot of democratic socialists and and socialists uh, across the country. Uh, endorsed Elizabeth Warren over Joe or over Bernie. Well, Sanders. definitely over Biden. But <laughs> de- de- <laughs> definitely over Biden. But that's a you know that's a um, that's a big thing that they're doing. They're they're backing her over uh, yes. Sanders. So and so when you start thinking about the horse race, how is it narrowing down? Biden's going to have that center. Um, you know I, if. If the real progressive, you know, democratic socialist socialist folks kind of align behind Warren, Sanders is going to get pushed out. There won't be any well, air in the room for it. It's going to be interesting to see what happens because, you know, you get because it's proportional allocation of of the of the delegates as they're going through the the primary process, right? So it's like, so if you only get you know, if you get 15% of the vote, you yeah. get, you know, 15% of whoever it is in that state. That said, I'm using 15% as a very specific number because if you get less than 15%, you get nothing. Right. So there could be a weird situation where, like, 
Warren is getting votes and Sanders is getting votes, depending on how it breaks down, they could both be in pretty good shape where neither one of them has enough to win outright, but amongst the two of them, they have more yeah. support than Biden. I, I don't think they both make it to the... I think one of them drops out before the maybe, convention. Maybe. I mean, the thing of it is is that they will both have strong grassroots support for yes. them. And so that will allow them to keep going whether, you know... Because they're not like what happens is somebody's got like a lot of the big wealthy donors and and sort of the core party people is like they hit a, a rough spot and they're like ah oh, we're pulling out get out and they don't have any money anymore right um like what happened to what's his name from Ohio in the Republican primary last time Kasich Kasich yes not Johnny Ocasek the lead singer from the Cars who just passed away oh this yes now rest in peace who's gonna drive you home. Uh, you are, actually, so <laughs> thanks for that. It's true. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> uh, yeah, so... Uh, uh, yeah, I mean... We'll see what happens, but uh, anything else, Circus 2020? No, I think I think you're caught up now. I think you're All caught right. up. So now I'll go back to reading politics news again. Yay. Uh, <laughs> maybe getting over your jet lag. Yes. But thanks, everybody, for getting together with us on the rundown. Of these last few weeks. Yes. It'll be back to our regularly scheduled programming next week. We'll, yes, we'll have all the current news and lively debate. Before we sign off, though, just real quick, we're at Metropolitan this week. We are. Uh, we, we thought we would try out their, their lovely deck, uh, which is not quite open yet for reasons... Uh, maybe we get maybe we get into the local podcast Actually, at some point. let me just say this. Yeah. Local, this will be our local... Uh, podcast news. Yeah, we're gonna cut the. Yeah, Go they're ahead. missing one permit that they've been waiting on for evidently three and a half weeks. Yes. One permit. Yep. Everything's out there. I'm looking at it. Like the tables looks beautiful. Like we could walk out there and we could have a beer out there. Really, literally at this minute, except for the fact that there's no permit there's or a caution, whatever. Caution there's tape. caution tape. <sighs> oh well. Sigh. It'll be there for next summer. <laughs> anyway, thanks, everybody, for joining us. It's good to be back. Absolutely. Take care, everybody. Bye-bye.